Hey listeners, several episodes ago, Mike and I discussed the possibility of having a good friend of ours come on and talk about his personal experiences serving in the armed services. He served several tours in Afghanistan and Iraq, and while the conversation never really delves into the topics of his time on the battlefield, um, we do go into a discussion over the topic of suicide. That comes at the one hour and three minute mark. We felt it important to put this disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. As we know, this can be a very difficult topic to discuss or even listen to people to discuss. So if this is a sensitive topic for you, please feel free to jump from the one hour, three minute mark to roughly the one hour, 12 minute mark, where we continue with the typical inane banter that we're known for. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy our discussion with Sergeant First Class Baron Day. Okay, we're consistent. We are in the green across the board. I am still wearing pants. So let's do this thing. I think I'd wear pants. I, lo- I I I wanted to I wanted to, like before we do video I always wanted to get save reaction shots and sort of clip them in. It's like Rob's reaction to when I said this. Rob's reaction to when I said that. He's so animated. With I am his face. I, my my face does not have a mute button. Like it's it's probably yeah. it's it's such a backstabbing part of me. So. But it, but it's great though, man. Your reaction shots are fucking priceless. Like they really are. That could be one of our claims to fame right there. Yeah, but that's why I don't like. Okay, yes, it's great for this because of how animated I am, but I, I would just be absolute garbage at, uh, say, like, table games. That, that's that's why I don't gamble table games. First off, they're intimidating, and, you know, there's there's a lot of people there. Second, you could just read me. I, I have way too many tells. Okay, that that's your only valid argument, the tell problem. That is your only valid argument. Okay, the rest of it, overcome. You can overcome all of that bullshit. I, I love, like, blackjack. That is my thing. Like in Vegas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, loved blackjack, just tables, and it started out with just like an obsession with the machines. And yeah, man, like I mean, I didn't let it become a full gambling obsession. You know me, addictive personality, avoid it whenever what I can. You? And no. even no, right? No. Like even addictions an addiction. To I'm me. Addicted to addictions. <laughs> I am addicted to addictions. I can't get enough. <laughs> All right, so um, hold on. Uh, Baron, let's get some uh, audio play from you. What's Good. This, this, this is still test. It's still test. Still testing? Yeah, we're still just testing. So you hear me well okay out here? Oh, wow. Actually, yeah. Sounds uh, sounds really good. Ah, good. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so. Hell, like, I don't even know how to start this. We've never done a three-man pause. I have never done a three-way before. So I'm the first special guest? Oh, baby. <laughs> For, this, is, this, is, this is a monumental occasion, our first audio three-way. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just be gentle. It's my it's 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 my first audio three way. Oh my god. Okay. I, I was gonna leave that alone. Why'd you have to make it weird? I was gonna leave that a non thing. <laughs> it's not an episode without the penis podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Robot penises. So I guess uh, you know because. We have done quite a bit of talking, 10 episodes of us kind of just like prattling on like inanely about bullshit. 
People kind of have a bit. And if you haven't realized that I am fucking insane yet, then you haven't been listening. <laughs> I probably should have been drinking before this. What's that? I probably should have been drinking before this. Do you want me to? Do you want to? Hold on. Do you want to stop for a minute? We could take a ride. No, no, it's fine. You sure? Yeah. I mean, I, I. Again, this is just. No one can see this. It's just us know, talking. Just, it's fine. We don't even have a camera. He can't see us. I know. Okay. That is a. That's actually a really good jumping point. That's where Mike and I first. That was like one of our first ever topics on episode one. Baron was have we ever recorded ourselves? Like what sort of um, you know putting our our likenesses out there, putting our voices out there. Uh, what sort of experiences we have with that? I mean, I guess that's a good jumping point for you. What sort of experiences? like that do you have what recording my voice yeah doing something like this like have you ever done you know youtube videos anything like that just hearing my voice on record i'm like why like who the hell is this guy like why are people listening to me i sound like an asshole if it makes you feel better i think you're an asshole too and i've known you you almost your whole life i agree agree you're quite the asshole but the, the okay it's all about like acoustics and how our ears kind of pick up our own voices like the way we hear ourselves is not how people hear us this when you hear the playback that's how people hear you i know i hear it i'm just like jesus christ dude like i sound like an idiot like I hate that. Like I literally cannot stand the sound of my own I, voice. So like, I, I hear. So I when I listen to this again and be like, dude, like I sound like shit. Yeah, I you don't sound any di- like even compared to being on the phone, uh, and even how you're gonna see or or how you heard yourself in the little test. It's pretty consistent, and I don't think you sound bad at all. I mean, granted, you're not gonna be doing any speaking engagements, but you don't have a bad voice. No, uh, very few people actually do, especially when you get in front of like a really good, you know, quality mic. Like every, everyone sounds pretty decent. I mean, many classes I've taught and just like, man, people actually sit here and listen to me talk. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've taught classes? Yeah, I used to be an instructor. Uh, I, this is new. This is news to me. What sort of instructing, like what sort of lessons did you teach? What were the classes about? I used to teach uh, martial arts to soldiers, army combatants to soldiers. Which would probably... Bad fact, I remember when I was a squad leader, platoon sergeant, mm-hmm. uh, team leader, you know, you have to teach your Joes. You know, you bring all your Joes together, teach them weapons malfunctions, maintenance... IMTing, battle tactics, battle rhythm, battle assistant. How long? How long have you been doing the instructing for? Uh, the the uh, armor combatives. Uh, uh, any, any since uh, you know since how long have you been doing any instructing of any kind? Well, technically, if you really put that, it's pretty much whole, like once you come to NCO, you're pretty much an instructor teaching Joes. Hmm. What's a Joe? You've you've said that a couple times. Joes are like privates. Okay, okay. The GI. <laughs> Anything below NCO is pretty much a joke. Okay. All right. Now, now I, I and I don't mean to cut you guys off, and I apologize, but I think now might be a time to do uh, the little bio. You know, we well, we don't say who we are. We still haven't done an introduction. This is episode twelve, and we haven't fought well, eleven or twelve. I don't know. I think this is gonna be our twelfth posting, but not our twelfth official episode. But well, speaking of teaching, I also was a jump master. I had to teach soldiers how to jump out of planes. That is Holy a, crap. that brings me to the other ping. Uh, <coughs> ping the thing about your back. We're great. We got to get into that too. That's a whole fucking. I'm surprised. Dude. That's awesome. And I'm sorry. I let, you know thinking back. I'm sorry. I, I waited and I should have got you a chair first. That was fucking rude. But um, anyway, uh, who we are is irrelevant. We are sitting here with an old, old, old friend of ours. Mm. Uh, literally since Jesus. Uh, no, well, not since Jesus, but... <laughs> since, since time immortal. The younger crowd is probably... Yeah, since time and infinity. The beginning of time, back 
when the great demiurge descended upon that. No, um, back when we were what? 96, I want to say. If I 96 when we... Yeah, we were, we were little kids, man. Baron and I met at, uh, well, Baron Day, who is a lifelong friend. Uh, Iraq war veteran. You were Iraq, in... Afghanistan. Uh, we'll, 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 trust me, that's one of my questions. We'll get into that. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're doing it. But uh, go uh, go ahead, man. What do you want to say about yourself as far as a bio, as far as who you are? And we are going to work our way up to Dan Bongino lookalike and erotic lollipop enthusiast. But that's just part of the fucking special sauce, man. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. He's about to have some kind of break a blood vessel. I, Look at him. <laughs> just as as much as you talk, I'm sitting here planning like little like reminders in my in my head. Like, okay, gotta edit this and chip that and. <laughs> You don't make this easy, Mike. <laughs> All right, Baron, floor is yours. Give us a little bit of a bio. Like, who are you? Uh, a little bit of a quick elevator pitch. And um, how'd you come <laughs> to be involved in the shenanigans of us? Well, like you said, a lifelong friend of you guys. But... Well, okay, Mike. that's okay. If you, uh, sorry, do you mind if I just say the Jesus one thing? God, sorry, nice. sorry, sorry. We met. We met in a program. Uh, a cooking program at Bucks County Community that was in Bucks County Community College for troubled youth. <laughs> now you're just troubled adults. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever solves a fucking thing. <laughs> but anyway. Let, let the man Go talk. Ahead, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that, I just wanted to work that in. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You met at the, we met at a bus, bus stop. stop. <laughs> yeah. Cute. At the bottom of Granite Road. Yep. <laughs> where I was living. For First interactions, like, you know, I, I, I've met people at random places too. Like, how did this engagement start? Now looking back at it, like, like you showed up. I was a meek little weirdo. We were both we were both meek little weirdos. <laughs> meek little adult. I'm not meek at all. Are you kidding? Oh no, he he gave me like a cupcake or something. Aww. We were, no, I had no no no. It wasn't a cupcake. It was a snow. It was, it was a snowball, and it wasn't food. No. <laughs> No, no, it was too, it was too, um, it was, uh, the Tasty Cakes, it was Coffee Cake Tasty Cakes, right? Probably what it was, I don't know. Yeah, no, it was a two-pack, because I remember, we get to the bus stop, and we're talking for just a few seconds back and forth, and I open up the cakes, and I asked him if he wanted one, and this is how I knew this fucking guy was out of his mind from the word go, okay? I, I he took one, and this motherfucker ate it like a duck, like, <laughs> I vaguely remember this story, Baron. Do you have any? Do you have any recollection of this? Yeah, I remember it's pretty much how it happened. <laughs> so I just swallowed it whole like an abused goose. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, so a little bit about this program. Like, how did you guys get involved in this? Like, I mean, aside from being troubled youths. I think we were both sentenced. Yeah, it was a, no. su- <laughs> it was a summer school program, apparently my mom's... Yeah, me too, me too, yeah. It was, like, promoted to me. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, was, I, like, I wanted to go just get me the hell away from my parents and get me out of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's a couple things I remember from the program. It was at Bucks County Community College in the old cafeteria. Uh, it was this whole old building. Oh, my God, I remember this story. I remember this story. Keep going, yeah. So, okay, from... This is how I remember it. Feel free to step in and correct me. Okay. You don't ever be afraid of stepping on me and stopping I'm me. I'm trying to see talking. where you're going with this. Okay. No, you remember, you don't remember the lunch when we were sitting at lunch and someone said, go jump off the, like. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Okay, here, from my perspective, yeah. then, he, then he can tell you his. Okay, we're sitting in this old cafeteria and it has these giant, like, arch windows, mm-hmm. like, you know, single up and down, you know, round top windows. And outside of the windows were a balcony. 
and I don't even remember how exactly it came up, but I'm sitting facing the window, and I think you were sitting across from me facing me. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter exactly, but... Uh, so anyway, somebody said something about jumping out the window. We all had a little laugh. And then a few seconds later, just enough time for no one to make the connection about jumping off the balcony. He gets up, goes outside, and I'm watching out the window. He just jumps off the balcony. So, I remember that. I don't know what the... Back then, you know, I was I was pretty sure I was, like, the craziest one out of y'all. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, you remember when he had, you know, the little nubs with the... He was, like, slip-knotted out and stuff. Actually, that was during my Juggalo days. <laughs> Your Juggalo days? Uh, magnets. Yeah. You remember, remember uh, what was it? Um, inside Job, the Juggalos control world yes, finance. So that, that you missed your mark on that one. You should have stayed a Juggalo. But no, I remember <laughs> I was like, I was, like, when I did that, I was just trying to lay on the ground like it was a dead body. So I thought it was a dead body. I, just I, remember, ah, I remember seeing that. Terrible. I remember looking down and seeing that. And then, like, they came out and yelled something. I remember you getting up and running away. I, I don't remember if that's how it happened, but that's what I remember. I remember we were downstairs in the downstairs area. That's where we got yelled. We didn't get yelled at because we stayed down and waited for the coast was clear. What's this we you keep talking about? I didn't jump off the <laughs> No, no, no. Remember we were down in the basement area? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Alright. Apparently we weren't supposed to be down there. A bunch of other kids that caught. We stayed down, we the coast was clear. Then we popped up and nobody knew we were there. Right, right. Now right. was this like a was this a second story balcony you jumped off? Oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you do like a like a like a diving jump? Like was it just like you just jumped off? Like... I remember jumping and kinda like jumping I apparently must have did some kind of parkour roll when I did it. He, he... Back when parkour was parkour. Yeah. Parkour Parkour. <laughs> parkour. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that kind of really set the stage for the, the the level of excitement that you would bring into like our realm, Baron. <laughs> All right, so so that that was you know pretty much how you started with well meeting him, and then I met you guys. <laughs> we were talking about that a little bit with uh, with the Duke a bit ago. Yeah, apparently but... <laughs> Duke thought I was I, in a way I was living with you guys in a dude, way. Yeah, dude, that's what I was gonna Not say. Not really, but like, kind of in a way. I was. Dad, dad literally had mom and dad had literally had fucking like, you know, like fifteen, twenty unofficial children that were all latchkey kids. <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 like I swear, like I swear, the show that seventy show was based off us. Yeah, right. Like, dude, we were like that, man. We really were. I mean, kids don't even do that nowadays. Like. I would always describe the back window of our like of our bedroom as like a McDonald's drive-through. Like it could be like two in the morning. You like you would hear tap 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 tap, and all right, you know who, who wants what, who needs always something. Always somebody different. Yeah, like someone yeah. either needed like food, they needed a place to stay, they need some assistance burying a body. I mean, you know, you know, people need help. You know, people need help. And I I only came over. I only came over because I hated living with my parents. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of what that last thing he said, uh, they actually dug up the backyard in Golden Ridge. So eventually, you will have some explaining to do, Baron. Just a uh, heads up. I mean, didn't we like? Didn't we bury an ammo crate back there with fifty bucks in it and uh, like a bunch of cat litter? I mean, maybe. I don't. I don't. I, don't know. I, I have vague memories of doing that, but I remember not being able to find it, and I remember us trying to find it, but instead we accidentally dug up the dog. <laughs> Sneds? Yeah. 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 I remember that. Nobody forgets that name, man. It's like the Nat Geo theme song. You hear it once, it is stuck in your head for the rest of your goddamn life. So, I, I, I really want to get into just a little bit, Baron. Like I said, like, I, I do want to have a bit of like a, I don't know, I guess like a, a more of a serious conversation 
it happens on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Accidentally. Usually. Sometimes, you know, sometimes. Uh, someone told me the other day, Mike, that uh, we actually talk about a lot of serious stuff quite often. And I'm like, I, I, are you listening to a different podcast? Because all of our stuff is just inane garbage. But I suppose sometimes we, we touch on some good stuff. Was there anything specific that they mentioned? Uh, the Foxconn discussion we Foxconn. had. Foxconn. The, the chip maker in China. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, was, yes. Wasn't it Taiwan? Not, oh, yeah, no, that's China. Yeah. That's China. Yeah. China. Um, so what I want to know, Baron, okay, I, I do want to get into a little bit of the armed stuff because, you know, I was talking to some of the friend, some of my friends about, you know, us potentially sitting down with you and, you know, and, and, and your experiences and, you know, just what you have, you know, kind of gone through. Uh, it's experiences, I guess. Mm-hmm. And a couple of these, uh, these guys are, you know, early 20s. Uh, one of them is, like, very serious, like, considering like going into uh armed services and when i told him that we were doing this he's like oh like i have questions i have questions so i you know i got a couple of questions from him and just a couple of things that i think would be you know really paint the picture of who you are and the life that you've that you've lived i mean first and foremost i, I know this may sound cliche you know but obviously you know thank you for the service uh you're you're a brave soul i would never do that um because i'm terrified of most things like chucky finster so so what I want to know, what kind of puts you on that path towards going into well, armed services? I mean, aside from, you know, doing backflips off of balconies and absolutely decimating the entire uh, friend group in, like, paintball and airsoft. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah, it, was so, it was so unfair. <laughs> it was so unfair. It's like a, like a, you remember a legion of people versus bear. I had a neck. Dude, natural talent is natural talent. Don't be ashamed of it. So, Remember that time Greenway got shot in the throat? Uh, he, he had a yeah, coming. He had a coming. Yeah, you shot him. With, you shot me in the nuts. Point well, blank. You deserved it. Oh, what did I do to deserve you, it? You shot me in the nuts with air. How was I supposed to know? I felt air pressure hit my dick. But not a paintball. Well, and at split moment, I didn't realize that, so I shot you with a dick. <laughs> Point blank. Right in the right in the coin purse. <laughs> <laughs> right in the old cash and prizes. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, Baron, uh, like only shooting him once in the, in the dick was not enough. I think maybe a right? few more times would have been enough. Now you got to pay for that kind of action. Fact, Baron gave it away Sam back then. Sam and I were talking about those days last night. <laughs> Talk about how, uh, what y'all did on my birthday. Which was? Huh? Y'all shot me in the ass. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Front yeah. Main Street. <laughs> Happy birthday, you filthy animal. <laughs> So remember the time you had me mace you? <laughs> <laughs> I still tell that story. We dude, oh my god! If we were kids, that now, was our we, jackass days. If we were kids now, we'd all be in prison or mental asylums. Like, did I tell you what happened afterwards? What? I didn't tell you what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. So when you did that, well, to, to set the to set the whole thing. This is back when you had that Jetta, or was it the Gulf? There were a bunch of Volkswagens. Anyway. The German. Yeah, you had a little fucking thing of mace by the car. I was like, no, I've never been maced before. Let me see what this feels like. You're like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, hit me. No, I objected. I was like, nah, no, dude, no, no, no. And then literally I was like, no, 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 for two minutes. And I just go, okay. (laughs) So he hit me, so he shot me the face. I'm like, I don't feel anything. Go ahead, do it again. He shoots me again. I was like, man, this ain't shit. Do it again. He hits me again. I'm like, man, this ain't. Wait a minute. It just took effect. <laughs> I fell on the, the ground and started screaming. You're like, hit me in the face with that hose. And then, like, on the way home, like, my face is sticking outside the car trying to get the cool air to come to cool it down. 
And, well, here's what happened later on that night. This is back when I had hair. I think you look great like that. Again, he does look like Dan Bongino, but, you know, that's not a bad thing. Women find bald men to be quite virile. I mean, you know. (laughs) So I went home, went to get a shower. My girl jumped in the shower with me, and she's like, wash me down. She starts washing my hair. She takes a shame shampoo for my hair and starts washing my nuts with it. I'm like, wait a minute. And I started screaming. And I was like, trying to get cold water on my ditch, trying to cool off. She's laughing her ass. I'm like, <laughs> so the, my question was, how did we begin this journey into in, into going into armed <laughs> services? And I feel like you really answered that question. Yeah, we de- we derailed a little. No, not no, much, but I, a little. Actually, the only real reason why I joined the armed service because I really had nothing else to do. <laughs> no, uh, I had like like I, I honestly do feel you answered the question, Baron, by by just going off on that tangent about like all these experiences of like paintballing people in the nuts and uh like ask you know act act first ask questions later um apparently i had had a knack at combat so i was like okay um how how long were you involved like how long were you in the services i hit 20 years this month i didn't even tell him about the uh the coup de gras of that go ahead retirement yeah i'm retiring this summer really that was uh, that was my next question. Was uh, are you still considered to be active? For now, yes. Okay. But about the that's re- uh, to come this summer, I'm out. Wow, what's um uh, what's made what's driven this decision? A lot of things. Uh, I tell people this: like the relationship with me and the army right now is just two married couple that can't stand each other, but yet we're like Sybil till the kids graduate from high school, and move out, and we can divorce <laughs> each other. <laughs> that's pretty much the relationship with me and the army is like like back then. I came in 2003, listed when the war was going mm-hmm. on, and my MOS was 11 Bravo, which is infantry, which they always say is like, you either infantry or you're supporting the infantry. Okay, so you said that that's what the relationship has become. Like, what? how did it start, and what kind of, uh, how did it evolve? Everybody goes through it over time. At some point, you just stop loving it. Mm. The army is just not how it used to be anymore. Just get a new old Jew generation. Once you start seeing kids coming in when you came in or when you graduated high school or something and they were born just like you know it's time for me to go <laughs> so just feeling like the old man on the block all these new policies all these new policy rules now it's like you, you apparently just asking drill sergeants like dude what is it like trying to teach these kids now it's like i'm afraid of going being a drill sergeant losing my career because i know me i'll probably go off yell curse at someone which is why i love my job as a combatant instructor so so yeah, you, you, Baron deals in aggression, aggression, not micro. What, what sort of policies have changed? You uh, hold on, time out. You really want to do this? I asked the question. Let's put it this way: like they had this one thing they used to do. It's called we used to do. It was when I came in. It was called the Shark Pit. Okay. The Shark Tank. So I still vividly remember leaving 30th AG, which is a hellhole you want to get out of and go to basic training right away. Mm-hmm. Being on the bus, drill sergeants all being nice and stuff. And as soon as you get there, I remember the first thing I heard was like, get the fuck off my bus! And everybody just beat feet out of their bags hanging over top of their head. It's it's just a mental breaking moment. It's just to get you... It's, it, all it really is just a, a kind of a culture shock, what it is. Because back then, it was just be like, dude, you have to either conform to the army. Army isn't supposed to conform to you. You're supposed to conform to the army. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way everybody's one big unit. But now, the way things feels like now, in a way, I kind of understand why they're going away about this. Okay. It still sucks, but it's more like, uh, how can I explain this? Well, basically, right now, the Army has to cater to these young soldiers, these young people coming in now, mm-hmm. 
because it's a voluntary army. Which I understand why they made these kind of changes policies because right now recruitment numbers are down dramatically. Like they are way down. What do you think is driving that? Oh, uh, a lot of things. Well, um, all right. So I'm asking, like, what? Why recruiting numbers are down so much? First of all, look at countries like Russia and China. Mm-hmm. All right, they're a communist country. They have their pick. They can just take you if they want. Mm-hmm. Like you have to serve a mandatory of two years. Well, the military even even, even countries like Israel are like that. There's yeah. there's a mandatory sort of service for everybody. I, th- I think even Natalie Portman ours army is a volunteer, which means they have to cater to those high schoolers, college kids to come into the army. Yeah, they, I mean, like you remember back in the day, even going back to the old Simpsons, what recruitment was like in the in the show. Remember, it's like ah man, Yvonne at Niage, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I kind of thought that uh, service was always volunteer, like even back when you signed up. It is volunteer. What I'm saying is the Army now has to make it so that those kids want to enlist. They're appealing to a different kind of animal. Is, is, I, was, I was just about to say that. So, so it's not so much that... Um, it, Trying. Yeah, it, it, it's that the culture of the... I guess the, the, the younger generation has, has shifted into like... From like what they want, and now the army has to adapt to that to get those recruitment numbers. Is what you're well, saying? Well, plus we also live in the information we, age. Like back then, like the, whatever they told us, now we believe. Now, you know, they just look up their cell phones, and look up the information themselves. I had no idea anything about the army when I joined. Mm-hmm. If you went back then and told me I was going to be an airborne ranger, I'd be like, well, I don't know what the fucking airborne ranger is. So, so you think the ease, like the the access of all this additional information, from like a la- like like a non marketing standpoint, because let's face it, like you know, like the army, like any like, like like a business has to market themselves. Exactly. So, so because it's not you know the marketing tactics are going out there, it's that it's just unfeathered, unedited information and videos are going out there that you feel that that's been a, a driving force in in reduction of um, of enlistment. Let's put it this way: when I came in. The Iraqi war was going on, mm-hmm. right? It gave people reason to enlist. Dude, 9-11 was a huge thing for, like, a lot of people. Yeah. If you look at what, look, look at when World War II happened, people were quitting their jobs just to go enlist. That was the thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we don't have that. Like, so what reason So what reason would an 18-year-old kid want to join the military? I'm not saying we need a war for it to happen. Well, yeah, but don't worry, we're getting there. Yeah, I'm crazy. No, I agree with you, Mike. Oh, you agree with... That sounds like the witch talk to me, Rob. You know, we talked about China and Russia. You know, look at the recruitment commercials by comparison. No, don't even get me started with that. Her recruitment commercials is garbage. Those two examples of countries, like, there's no freedom of press. I mean, yeah, like, there's a lot of issues with it here. But, like, everything within those countries is all mandated. Like, it's all state-run media. So, yes, like, everything is propagandized. Now, the way we have our military, I'd rather it be a volunteer military. Okay. I, I don't want freaking some snot-nosed kid who the military forced into the mil- who the government forced into the military in a foxhole with me. Mm. I don't want that. Like, if you don't want to be there, I don't want you here. Because I, because not only is my, your life is in my hands, your life is also in my hands. I mean, my life is also in your hands. So if you don't want to be here fighting alongside of me, then I don't want you here. I want you, I want you to go, go to the back. That's good old-fashioned got your six talk. Yeah, right? I mean, that, you know, you, you want someone who's there who's committed to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a thought. I, I, I think what maybe could also be driving those numbers down is just a, a, a lack of a clear reason to fight. Like you said, Baron, like during World War II, everyone's like, oh, like, you know, the enemy is, is, is crisp. The enemy is clear. Like who, you know, like the sides of things. And this is, this is the purpose. Like there was a lot of clarity in, in what, what, when, what, what had to be done. And now you have all these fucking uh, military quagmires all over the place. Like, you know, wh- who's... Hey, 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 credit where credit's due. Nobody does military quagmire better than America. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we got a monopoly in that. <laughs> Another thing, the military is... Actually, I agree with the military. They're starting to do better now. Cracking down on toxic leadership. No. They're actually clearly cracking down on that. Which of that I'll actually agree with. Yes, 110%. Because a lot of the, like soldiers today, they put they can put videos of anything they want to right now, and you see some of these. Even I personally witnessed it. Well, I mean, you can put up anything you want to belong as you. No, I mean, me personally witnessed. Like, I personally witnessed toxic leadership. Have you ever been the victim of toxic leadership within the army? If you're if you're allowed to talk about that, I mean that that might be oh, a yeah. rough question to ask. Oh, I apologize. Oh, I straight up almost beat the living shit out of my, my leadership one time. So the answer is yes. Here's where it gets. A little uh, iffy. Do you mind talking about what the the actual situation? Yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. Floor is yours. So I had this one guy. I'm not gonna say his name. It was uh, it, it, at the time he was the squad leader, and uh, I was getting ready to uh, go to jump master school. So, what jump master school is? I'm the one that's in charge of a chalk, which is the plane. Making sure that soldiers are in the right spot, right, right, uh, uniform. Make sure the equipment's straight. Make sure they get out of the birds safely. So I was getting ready to go to that school, and we were just had a four-day weekend. I was also just in my second marriage too, and we were looking for a house. And my company commander, you now he dismissed us for the day, and I was getting ready to go home. Start. We had to go start looking for a house, and he pulled me in. Saying that, like, hey, I need you to recite pre-jump for me. And a pre-jump is, is a big spiel that we give on everything from um, performance landings, how to exit the bird, emergency landings. It's a whole long spiel you got to go through. And I haven't even really studied it yet. And I'm just like, no. Like, I'm not coming in right now to do this for with you. I got to go. Company commander released us. And I got shit to do. Like, like I, my, my course doesn't even start then. I can study then. He's like, no, 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 I need you to stay right here right now. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that right now. Like, company commander released us. Love you. We're not doing this right now. So him and I would get in. First of all, he was a, he, this, this is one of those guys that, like, the greatest thing he did in his career was, be, was being a jump master. Like, this guy, like, glorifies jumping and shit. And me, I'll be honest with you, I fucking hate jumping. And then for another reason. Oh, we're going to get into that. You got to tell that story. That is a great, I mean, that is amazing, dude. I didn't even, like, for the longest time, I didn't even know that happened. But go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. So him and I are getting into it, and he, I remember he, like, he said something to me, and I was like, are you fucking serious? He was telling me, like, I don't know why you talk to me like this. Like, I should just come here and, like, like I just want to come here and punch you in the face. I'm like, dude, if you want to come here and do that, please do that, because everybody knows what I do in my spare time. I'm like, you would be doing me a favor if you hit me in the face, because... Ain't nobody going to stop me from doing what I'm going to do to you next. <laughs> and, like, 
like I was fucking furious. Like he was like telling me, hey, you need to come in like right now. We need to talk. I'm like, no, we're not talking because if I come in that office and you're there, I can tell you what's gonna happen. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you and beat the shit out of anybody who stops me from beating the shit out of you. Like that's how pissed off I was at that point. I've never. It's been very rare. I've been that pissed at that point. The point I had to call my leadership, explain to him the situation was going on because I was like, dude, I'm gonna fuck this guy up if you don't get him the hell away from me. Because this guy's really crossing the line with me. Tell him he's gonna come. He wants to come to my house and listen to me. Recite pre jump like no, you don't go to someone's house and do shit like that. The, I don't care what rank you. Well, would he have the authority to do something like that? No, he doesn't. No, he would not. Okay. So just some, just making like idle, empty threats. Yeah. Got it. Like no, he would absolutely not. If he did, do it, I would have every right to beat the living hell out of him for it. <laughs> hmm. So I called my leadership, told him what happened, and he's like, "All right, don't worry about it. Well, I'll take care of him." After that, like, him and I, we just kind of split. So, to me, that was toxic leadership. Because, first of all, you can't be taking away soldiers' time like that. Like, that's the most precious thing a soldier's hat. It's like, trying to keep up soldiers' morale, you know, you got time, chow, freak, even religious service considered morale. Be able to sleep. Like, you can't, you know, like, you want to mess with soldiers. You take what you, like, start messing with those things. Well, it, it makes sense why they're so actively trying to break that cycle then. You know, I, I, I imagine, you know, like you said, like, having that downtime away from training the the preparation for going into combat i'm sure you know is it weighs heavily on the mind and to take away their small bit of time where they're not thinking about that uh is that could break them when you want to talk about a bad first impression i'll never forget the first time i met this guy so we're out at jrtc's uh, uh joint reaction training center out in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Anybody who knows that area knows it's like one of the most shittiest places to go to. As a matter of fact, if you ever see the movie Tigerland, it's where it's filmed. I don't know that one. Never heard of it, no. It's basically, from what I remember, it's like a, uh, they're basically training to go to Vietnam. That's where they did all the training for Vietnam. Okay. Uh, it's also where they trained for Tropic Thunder. So I'm out there, I'm all sitting on the ground, I'm eating my MRE, and this douchebag shows up. He's got a rip, like right along his fucking jeans, almost all the way down to, uh, to his his leg. No underwear. Comes over to me, takes a knee, balls hanging out, saying, hey, are you going to eat that? I'm looking at him like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> are you going to eat that? I'm like, here, that get is the fuck away that from That is me. not something you want to hear. And then later on, I find out, oh, yeah, this guy's your leadership. I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> oh, this is your CO. <laughs> this guy comes over, cakes out. Are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and first, we're about to go to the rear. We're about to go to the rear. And he doesn't have a fucking servo pair of pants. I had to give him my pant, a pair of my pants and underwear. I'm like... Here, so, so just I want out, my pants back. Keep the underwear. Out the gate, he went lavender on you. Yeah, like, this is the first time I met this guy. I'm like, are you fucking well, serious, dude, dude? That's something you build up to. I'm working up to I, it now. See how I'm leaning. I think in? it's really important, Baron. Okay, that the first time you met this guy, you covered his rear. Okay, I, th I just want to say it. That's <laughs> Nobody does it better. And, and and Baron, yes. Okay, that sounds like a really interesting first impression. But not all first impressions can come with coffee cake. You know, just yeah, but what, you, you know, that's the problem with first impressions, boy. One, yeah. well, that and you only get to make one. But yeah. all first impressions should include coffee cake. There you go. That yeah, mandatory. Mandatory, yeah. mandatory first impression coffee cake. 
Now for the ceremonial exchange uh, uh, of, of the coffee cakes. <laughs> We're all fucking cake boys. That's just um, how we do. <laughs> so, so how many, um, how many tours were you on in total? Total was on three combat tours. Actually, technically, I should have had five. The reason why, because the f- the one of them I missed was because I broke my back on a jump. That's the story. That's what I kept kind of hinting to. I was like, you got to tell that story. Go ahead. Oh, so for some reason, my company got selected to become rear D, which is rear detachment. So this means just take care of everything back in garrison. Okay. So, again, both things I couldn't really control, but uh, I'm thankful I went on the, the, uh, the three that I went on. Like, Iraq was probably by far my fav- most favorite tour. Favorite? So the reason why I say it's my favorite tour, mm-hmm. because, uh, again, I'm a lead infantryman. I mean, our job is, you know, to kick indoors and, you know, fight the wars. We don't have that going on right now. <laughs> couple weeks. So like I said, right now is a crappy, if you want to be an infantry, right now is a crappy time to be an infantry. Mm-hmm. But I said, like, at least when I, at least with my MOS, I can honestly say, like, yeah, I fucking kicked indoors and went on patrols, got some ticks, and, you know, I did my job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, which one of you was, uh, was, was, was that? Uh, that was me. Nice. We were gonna try to get Baron some beer before we did this, but, uh, you know, it's, 11.45 in the morning. We went to the store. It was only 9.40-something. So, you know, getting beer in Prudas, Pennsylvania is a little bit different than, you know, the rest of the world. No, it's funny. I did not realize how much our state sucked when it came to alcohol until I moved to, like, different states. Oh, yeah, Dude, yeah terrible too. Arizona, California. Like, I was like, you could buy beer at a Circle K That is or exactly 7-11? my experience, what happened. Yeah. So, I... I Moved to Colorado. I was I was a station at Fort Carson. It was Sunday, and we were just got we were literally like just getting back from our first combat tour. And they're just like, "Hey, we need to go to a beer run." I remember it was Sunday. It's like, dude, like I don't know any like beer barns or beer stuff that are open right now. That's yeah. why I used to always call them. They serve beer like, in barns like, now. Oh. How progressive? They're like, like no, like like. Well, remember that one in front of Acme? I always called it a beer barn. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. So what happened was they were like, "Oh, just go to Seven Eleven." I'm like, <laughs> and it, it dawned on me. I was like. Wait, right? you could buy beer at Seven Eleven? That's a thing here. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm the odd one because I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, like we literally had like we we pulled the truck there. We had a line going from the from the beer fridge to the cash register to the back of the truck, trying to go through the gate. And P's looking at the back of our truck like, oh boy, where's the party gonna be at? Got some thirsty soldiers on your hands, CO. Dude, I don't even remember the first two nights of getting back. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what happened when I finally came to? I flew He won up. the war single-handedly. No, <laughs> no seriously. No, seriously. This is He's what Master happened. Chief now. This is what no. happened when I woke up. I finally came to, like, I woke up, I'm surrounded by beer cans. Oh. <laughs> There's a fucking bandage on my head with dry blood on it. Yeah, dude. I'm stumbling to the bathroom, like leaned up on the wall trying to piss. I look at the tub. There's my buddy in his underwear and his own vomit in the tub. I'm like turning on the shower to make sure he's alive. <laughs> dude, you know, Chris, dark, oh, sorry, dark magic. Dark magic didn't know that that was a thing that actually happens to regular folk. I was like, you know, I was like, I can't even tell you how many times I woke up somewhere, have no idea where I am or how I got there or, you know, any of that stuff. And it happened to her like two years ago. She calls me up. She's like, Michael, Michael, I'm in a hotel and I just woke up and I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I woke up in some chick's house with no pants on. Where who the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, to be young again. Well, except for that one time, it was me. Then, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
So, um, yeah, that you had mentioned briefly, Baron, uh, and Mike wants to revisit this. The the jump story. What, what happened? Uh, so, the broken back jump story. All right, so, let's see. Uh, where was it? it was, uh, I was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I remember it was Holland Drop Zone. We were in a uh, C-130 jumping with the uh, T-10 parachute doing an in-flight rig. So, to explain what that is... Yeah, please. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So to explain what that is, so a C-130 is what we use to jump out of. Call the plane um, in, you know, the King's English. 62 <laughs> jumpers. So back, this is like actually the last time I jumped with a T-10 parachute. What's a, what's a T-10 parachute for people who don't know? I'm getting to that. So if you look at, so if you look at all the old school, um, we've been jumping with T-10s for a very long time. Mm-hmm. If you look at the whole, like, you know, big canopy thing, that's what it looks like, a T-10 parachute. A t- we start transition to the T-11s, and if you look at T-11, it looks like a square with four vents in each corner. Big four, the big opening. So, if you ever get a chance to Google it, the difference between a T-10, T-11, you can see a huge difference. I'll, I'll add some of the links on the show notes for the episode, so anyone listening can uh, check out the different parachutes. So, in an in-flight rig... Is you are literally rigging, getting your parachute on, doing uh, inspections in flight. Okay. And this is one of the last times we were able to do it because the T10 parachutes, because of how big they are, you can't do that because it's just not enough room. So it is at nighttime. It's all it is chaotic in there. You can barely hear anything. This is the only things that I can remember. I remember uh, hooking up to the sack line. Remember the green light? That's that. That's that line that you have like the like clip, and you just put it on. Yes. Okay. But is this straight up like the movies? Like green light go. Kind of like that. There's a whole series that goes into it. If you really want to see a good example of it, watch Band of Brothers. Phenomenal series. Loved it. Yeah. 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 Actually, that was my first unit I served with, the Kirghiz. Were they your Band of Brothers? Yeah. Nice. So That's intricate relationship. What I remember was now. I remember hooking up. I remember jumping out of the plane. I remember my parachute opening up. I remember getting ready to land. That's it. That's all I remember. I mean, what? Uh, when when you came to, where were you? So I woke up on the ground, and for like a moment, I'm like, where the hell am I? And then I start hearing shooting because we were in the middle of an FTX. Uh, is a fire training exercise. Okay, okay. I was, I was, I was about like, to ask, was this uh, combat or training? Yeah, I was going to say, he had a combat in the crypto exchange. No, this is training. <laughs> not combat. This is all training right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember now. And I remember trying to get up. I'm like, I can't move. I can't breathe. And it was a scary moment. Because immediately I realized I couldn't move. I'm like, shit, there's something wrong with my back. I started wiggling my toes. I'm like, okay, I can feel my toes. So I'm not paralyzed. Right, yeah, <laughs> out the gate. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not paralyzed. That's good. And uh, my buddy came over. He's like, "Hey, you okay?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not. That's not funny, but that's kind of funny. <laughs> no, literally, like that's the, that's all I could breathe. It's like, no, I'm not okay. I can't move. Like this is probably one of the most painful experiences I've ever had. So they had to have first they had the uh, medic vac vehicles trying to get to me. They can't do it while the jumpers are in the sky. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait till the jumpers were done, and then they finally got to me. And I don't know if you ever had a back injury. Well, trying to move, it is excruciating. They're literally trying to roll me, trying to get my stuff off, get me on a stretcher. Oh, God. I am screaming in pain at this point. 
That's how much. It I hurt. mean, were, were they concerned about possibly causing more damage to you at this yes. point? Yes. Yes. That that's move, moving anyone in that situation. Yeah. Yes. The so they got me on the stretcher. Lots of risk there. Go ahead. They got me on the stretcher. They got me in the back of the ambulance, and it almost because they had me on the top rack. There's racks. Yes. Do you different? want to know what a successful combat rate is? A jump is. Sixty percent. If sixty percent of the jumpers make it, they consider successful. Oh my god. Wait, what do you mean yeah. make it? Like they just like they chicken out or they get injured? If sixty percent of them actually make it on the drop zone, it's considered successful. So alive or and uninjured is around that percentage. Now, now when you say so, I'm, 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 the, the workings of a parachute, I'll get into. That I'm, I'm I'm sorry, man. I want I want to go back to that. When you say sixty percent, like what do they consider to be a failed jump? Like I I I mean obviously a broken back. Is pretty uh pretty pretty uh, is a pretty big failure. If less than sixty percent of your troops are there, it's considered mass casualty. I just said it, injured and or dead. Also, what I mean is if they, because if you look at uh, uh, Operation Market Garden in World War Two, uh, a lot of those jumpers didn't make it onto the drop zone. They made it to the ground, but they were so scattered all over the place. So so it's successful drops within the target. And in a hundred percent uninjured, like what if you like I don't know, yeah. like twist an ankle when you land? Is that considered a failed jump? No, I'm gonna tell you like they're, they're gonna tell you keep hobbling on. Yeah, rub some dirt in it and fucking move but on. But that, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, like what what is the cutoff of an injury being a failure jump or still a successful jump? Oh, he's asking where the line yeah. is. Yeah. What really. what what qualifies as success? All right, yeah, okay. I was so going you're the saying other way. With, so what qualifies success is getting well. So when you get to the drop zone, you have an assembly area. Everybody should know where the assembly area is. All right? If you can get at least 60% of your guys there, even if they're not in your own unit, it's considered successful. You know, if you brew something, sprain an ankle, fracture something. What, what about a fracture? Is that considered like a failure? Well, it's just a casualty. If you have a fracture to the point where I was, where you're you're pretty much incapacitated, you can't do nothing. Okay, so so is the line is the line? Are you unable to be mobile on your own? Yes, I'm unable. So they'll have an ambulatory and litter, which is another thing I can't. I can go into this for, for I don't know how long. Ambulatory. No, that's correct. Now I'm going. Now I'm starting to go into nine line medevacs and how they uh, medevac soldiers out. So again, that's a whole nother topic. So what happened was when they got to the ground, they got me in there and like. Again, you can't move the vehicle while soldier while 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 uh, troopers are in the in the sky. So, because you know, who knows where they land? They, people think that like oh, like jumping so great and stuff. And, like they kind of compare it to skydiving. It is a completely different. Yeah, I was animal. gonna say that's a different animal. I've gone skydiving and I Let's see what these guys way. do. The reason the whole thing is for me to get to get soldiers out of the plane onto the ground as fast as possible. You're only about a thousand AGL off the ground. Not to mention, you're carrying all sorts of shit that you yeah. wouldn't have if you were just skydiving. Yeah. So that's a whole nother procedure, mm-hmm. how to do that. So if you're in the sky, you don't want to be in the sky any longer than you have to. So they want you on the ground as fast as possible. Yeah, because the longer you're up there, you're just a sitting duck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, this, this the ride was hell because every bump, every move, I felt pain shooting through my back. So I'm in the back screaming, excruciating, because it just, it was unreal. And I'm like banging on the seal, like, give me morphine. Just hit me with fucking morphine. All right. I'll tell you right now, morphine fucking works. <laughs> I, had, I had some nurse come run over, and she literally just pulled out a needle and sh- jabbed it right at my chest. I'm like, oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, no, I remember she hit me right in the chest with that thing. Like, like through the ribs or like in the stomach? Like where? It, I think it was like up in like the right torso. Yeah, I was gonna the say right they go, they go, area, yeah, like up yeah. in that area. <gasps> I remember she hit me like right there, and like I said, the pain went away, but like I felt my back like just tightening like crazy. So they finally got me back to the hospital. They got me trying to get me on x-rays and stuff. I said, every movement is just excruciating. So what happened was I had a T11 fracture, compound fracture in my back. Which luckily, I didn't need surgery. Because if I needed surgery, I probably would be forced to leave the army. So it was just time. Which I learned why people are addicted to uh, Percocets. I yeah, that I real wonder. fast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to uh, fully heal? About nine months to a year. And this was how long ago? 2012. Alright, so a good, good chunk ago. Right. But I'll tell you what. I still feel to this day. I can't stand for long periods of time. Th th this actually leads me into a lot of other questions that I have, which um, are a little bit more towards like the end part of your career and the, the your your future you know i did want to know if you're still active you did answer that that you're going to be that you are going to be retiring soon when uh, i i guess a good segue point into that then is when when was the last time that you were like i don't know not, not on tour that's how i've been on a combat tour yes 2011 i was in afghanistan um and you you're still currently are you still doing um trainings no when was the last time you did that well, last time I actually went out and did, like, infantry-type shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like you had mentioned at the very beginning that you used to be an instructor. Uh, when was the last time you did that? Last time I did infantry infantry shit actually happened when I was in Fort Bragg. Dude, I was in the field all the time doing training. Matter of fact, we would jump out of planes into our trainings. So, as an airborne trooper, our job is to be anywhere within the world within 18 hours. H how do you... No, that, that that that's 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 wild to be like that level of readiness. We have eighteen hours if we get a call saying we have to jump into somewhere. Now, granted, the last time we had actually happened, it's been a very long time. It's probably been about a good three decades, three four decades since okay. then. So, really, the only reason why we hell have is just the capability. Wait, three or four decades, you were. The army has actually ever really done a combat job. Oh, oh, okay. I misunderstood what you said. All right, I'm sorry. I was like, you were doing this when you were nine. And even, <laughs> you, you, and even then, it, all it really was was to take an airfield, which it was no casualties. The last time we actually had like you know, combat jump into and taking casualties was World War II. Would not have thought about that. So, uh, I, I guess leading in towards like the the end part of this, uh, you know, you are uh, retiring from the service soon. Um, I'm sure you're wildly excited about that, but you've been kind of in like an active, inactive kind of midpoint state for a while, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just, at this point, I don't really do much anymore. <laughs> I, I literally don't do anything anymore. Okay, well, I think now would be a good time to talk about the current state of things with you in Texas. Like how, how you, I guess your average day-to-day -day now. Oh, that, that's actually my question. I wanted to know how have you been acclimating back to, back into civilian life? Actually, it hasn't been that hard, I guess. Because right now my job is like stupid easy a monkey can do. What do you do right now? 
So my job right now, like before, if you told me this was going to be my job, I'd be pissed as all hell. Like, no, I need to be on the line with my guys and shit. I'll train with my guys. Now I'm just like, dude, give me the stupidest job you got right now. So right now my job is basically work at the clean airport in Texas. And my only job is to make sure that brand new soldiers who come to Fort Hood get from there, from the airport, to Fort Hood to the process. That's it. That's all I do. Rest of the day is myself, so really I only work maybe about a day-ish. I'm kind of like the guy in office space now. It's like, yeah, I show about 15 minutes late, and I just <laughs> stare at my desk. That's basically where I'm at right now. <laughs> so you're Peter Gibbons from office space. I just kind of... Yeah, I'm basically I just kind of right zone out. Whoa, whoa, zone out? Oh, yeah, yeah, I just stare at my computer. It makes it look like I'm doing work. Yeah, that's basically what I do. <laughs> that's literally what I do right now. As a personal friend, you know, like, you know, I'm very relieved to hear that. Like, you know, you hear a lot of stories about a lot of soldiers having trouble acclimating back into civilian life. Because I'm, I'm sure you've heard about these stories as well. Like, they're pretty prevalent. Yeah. Yeah, I, know, I personally know no guys who had trouble. Okay, so what, what do you feel? Why they have a hard time? you're trying to ask well yeah like 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 what set you apart from these other individuals that have had these hard times tell you the truth maybe because i haven't fully experienced it yet because i'm still technically in but it also really depends on like when you're getting at so, so for to me i'm retiring so really i don't have the worry of like oh when am i getting my next paycheck do i am I still gonna have health care a lot of people who don't do 20 and you know, their biggest like, worries is dude where am i gonna live where am i gonna find a job like what do i do next they have that structure. They don't have that structure anymore. So a lot of times they'll do is, you know, they, they need to find that structure, that cohesion, that brotherhood ship. I remember trying to be working a, a regular job out here is 100% more different than it is in the Army. I'll tell you right now, pretty much all my education, all my experience came from the military. That's like, if it wasn't for that, I, I have no idea where I'd be right now. Yeah, you enlisted very early. Yeah. I pretty much enlisted, like, right okay. when war happened. So you're saying that what's lacking, what's missing in civilian life, in civilian jobs, is camaraderie and stability and just... Let's put it this way. A lot of the shit I did in the military, I would have been fired so many times in the civilian world. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. There's a lot of times I'm amazed I have not been kicked out of the Army, have not been demoted... You or think you see UCMJ or freaking Article 15 or anything. Okay, now, okay, uh, what would it be like now if you pulled some of those same shenanigans? Oh, I would be fucking fired, like, so many times. <laughs> it's weird to hear, hear someone, uh, he, like, you're, you're, you're using, like, typical, like, job terms, like, fired, you know, as opposed to getting, like, discharged. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess, I guess the question is, would you have been reprimanded oh, for this? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, if I can, if I can kind of like change the, uh, the, the, the kind of like tone direction of, tone, but yes, thank you. Change the direction of the conversation. So part of my job, Baron, that I do is I, I'm an HR manager. Part of my job is recruitment mm -hmm. and I constantly am trying to find like veterans, mm -hmm. you know, my new maintenance manager that we just hired, he what like he he's a he's a military veteran as well uh what sort of things do you think i could do to make him feel more at ease in civilian life because he's he's kind of just coming out of combat as well like he's just he's just becoming into civilian life 
what can you do for him? Ease the transition. Ease the trans. That's honestly, that's really more on him. I think he's asking if there's anything is he, that he can he do. He couldn't do. Yeah, as the employer, as like someone who's hiring this guy who is a longtime veteran coming into civilian life, like what? As an employer, what can I do? He, well, he's been what twenty years. I don't know matter. the I don't know the year. The, the thing is, like, he's going to be set in a certain way. Like, I'll tell you right now, like, mm-hmm. us vets, we don't think like civilians do. So, which is like, right now, I'm in, currently in classes right now. Mindsets worlds apart. Yeah. Man. Our mindsets are going to be completely different. A lot of us, bro, we're hard-charted. We're used to, like, hey, look, we got shit to do. This is the timeline. Let's get it done. What is the plan? All right, you take care of this. You take care of that. Like, there's a whole structure we have that we do. And a lot of that is lacking in today's generation. Hmm. Okay, okay. I mean, I could tell you a lot of that lacks in just the the workplace in general. I mean, when I first started my job, it, it was just... In bedlam like i'm still like i'm a couple i'm like several several months in and still i'm learning that i needed to do things that i didn't even know about like there was just such a lack of that structure and rigidity that you'd find in the military basically give him but the, the standard like, like, what, like how do you want it done? like basically give him like a like how do you want it done okay give him like the left and right limits i'm thinking of like a range where your left and right limits okay. okay okay how far we can go here and a time standard define left and right please so have you ever been to a shooting range? Of course. Okay. You see those fans at the end of, the, end of there? Oh, oh, gotcha. I thought Place you meant... Left the right okay, I, okay. I still don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, lay it out for him. Lay it out All right, for him. so left and right limit is like, okay, well, what can we get away with within this limit? So basically, if you've ever been to a shooting range, the reason why we say left and right limits is because if you go to a shooting range, you'll see a left fan and a right fan. Do not shoot without those fans. Shoot within those fans. That's your limits. Read a book. Whenever we do patrols like uh, Battle Drill 1 or Battle Drill 2. Where did you, on infantry, uh, where did you, I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of breach and entry training too, right? Yes. Is that, that's actually a, a marketable skill, teaching that kind of stuff in the private sector. And, yeah, I got, I got buddies who do that. Okay, yeah. Well, actually, right now I'm taking classes for, like, veterans from, like, me, who've been in as long as I have, who've actually been to combat and stuff. There's a lot of veteran organizations. Like, right now, I do, like, motorcycle rides with vets. We'll go do motorcycle tours. I do a lot of jiu-jitsu training with vets. I'll teach them stuff. And the veterans... And, uh, uh, go ahead, sorry. With that and uh, people who've been to combat. So, like, I'll tell my story of, like, you know, what missions I've been on. Some people have a hard time with, you know, you know with, with, like, the uh, some of the events I have, like, I don't know why, but for some reason, like, I think about, like, some of the missions. Like, I remember my dad asking me about one of my missions one time. And I told him about my first confirms. Oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, the look on his face when I told that story, he never asked me again. <laughs> he never asked me another question again. I guess what I would like to kind of shift back to then is, you know, what has it been like for you since you decided, like, this is it? And it sounds like, you know, you've been a part of some like veteran groups and like i basically keep myself busy like i still do jujitsu i've been picking up woodwork i'm building a bar at my house oh right really? now. speaking of woodwork tell them about your house didn't you say you had a wood shop or something oh the- yeah, yeah yeah so um so i just bought a house baron uh, i closed on the first of march and in the basement in this like hidden back room off the left uh 
like the guy who originally owned the place was like a woodworker. So we have like this entire wood shop uh, down there, which we want to turn into like this um, this hidden backdoor speakeasy. Dude, I'm doing that right now. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm literally building a bar right now. Actually, you go on my go on my Facebook page. I got pictures of it all. I'll, uh, I mean, if, if you're all right with that, I can add that to the uh, to the show notes of like what it is you're currently up to. A big question that I was asked to ask you, I also relatively curious about is, do you like your healthcare? Is it through like the VA? Yeah. Okay. I'm just starting to deal with the VA, so I don't have too much about enough to comment on it. Okay. Okay. Okay, but th- th- that kind of brings me to a point I wanted to touch on. Um, a lot of people involved in wars that don't officially exist run into problems getting the same benefit and access to resources and various other things through the VA. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Do feel free. Again, I'm just starting, so uh. I don't have too much commented on it right now. But yeah, it's that that is a thing. And again, you don't have to. Uh, it seems to be this kind of recurring uh, new kind of theme where they're sort of pushing these guys to the side. It's like the idea that you have to support the war to support the people who fought in it, that like, they're somehow interconnected. You, These people need the support, period. Um, you know, that, that, that's a really good point. I was talking about doing this interview with, um, with someone that I work with, and their response was, because I had asked him, like, hey, like, you know, uh, do you have any interest, any questions they may ask? Their response was, well, I don't really support that stuff. And, and to, to your point, Mike, like, you know, you can not support the wars, okay? Like, you know, to be, you know, to, to kind of, you know, put the left out there of, of myself, like, I don't really support a lot of these wars. But the people that are involved in them, yeah, like, I want proper funding. I want to support them. I want to make sure that they are taken care of. I want to make sure that they have health care. I want to make sure they have access to mental, like, uh, to, to, to mental health facilities as well. This is some crazy shit that they deal with. And, you know, we as Americans should be required and to take care of them. Whether you, whether you support the causes yes, or not, you yes. got to support the And people. a lot of these, again, the resources, sometimes they have very limited access, none at all, uh, like mental health, like you were saying, physical uh, things, medical, just in the standard, you know, uh, context. And, uh, you know, and it's like, how do you say you're a veteran of a war that officially didn't happen? Like, I talk about the Syria quite a bit, you know, and everyone's like, what's about what's going on in Syria? I never heard about that, you know. What's not going on in Syria? But, you know, but there's like, I think, I think that the last standing total that you just between like post 9-11 to now is something like 17 undeclared wars where there's ground troops and, you know, infantry like Baron here and just, you know, everybody across the board, you know? And again, you don't have to support the situation or the war itself, but... You know, the people need it. Our our veterans and they need it. I mean, I, I wasn't behind the Iraq War, but uh, I'll behind yeah. I'll be behind Baron all goddamn day long. Well, actually, wouldn't it be Baron behind you? <laughs> well, if we stick with the you know the standard formula and plot, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, so that, that that was the big question I had for you, Ben. And you know, you you know, at this point, you know, you don't have any. You don't have a lot of experience to draw upon, um, but I mean, but yeah. you're familiar with a lot of the issues that I'm sure come with with the VA. What 
what are your thoughts My about thought, that? Honestly, to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of thoughts about it right now. Again, because still I new, man. Yeah, still it. new. Okay. I know I have a lot. Of, I know I've heard a lot of people who've been through it complain due to like just. The uh, sheer amount of like paperwork or waiting on something, red tape, to get yeah, somewhere. Like I've heard stories <laughs> of like somebody like uh, I didn't know if it was true. I didn't realize this this actually happened. But like somebody like went to the VA, tried to get help, didn't get help, so he went to the so he went to his car to the parking lot and shot himself. Unfortunately, that's not super uncommon. Which I've known plenty of soldiers who've yeah, unfortunately went that route, including myself. Really. Didn't know that. Um, for anyone listening, I mean, what? Uh, um, I'm gonna start crying here. Um, what kind of got you out of that mindset? What helped? So, actually, the really it was a lot of. It's really hard. It's not really so much being in combat. It's all the shit that happens when you come back afterward. Is the really hard part. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I was going through, like, my second divorce at the time, which really, for some real weird reason, really messed with me mentally. I don't know why. Like, looking back, I can't understand why it messed with me so much. And mm-hmm. I really didn't have a support structure, especially with my family, because of the way they are, because they're religious states. So, they, so I've never had support mm-hmm. from my own personal mm-hmm. family, so I literally had, like, nobody. And... Yeah, I had a period where, like, you know, I was almost, I was damn, I was drinking like crazy, ready to off myself, and I finally said, all right, you know what, I'm going to try and get help. And here is where things get wonky, because also I tried to uh, check myself in AA, personally check myself in AA, and I think this is where the Army messes up, mm-hmm. is because when I was about to do, do it, you know, I was about to sign a paperwork and all, I'm like, okay, well, just so you know that when you sign this paperwork, we got to call your leadership and bring them in. I'm like, it, it's, wait, it's, why? Like, why am I going to do that? Like, why, why are you bringing my whole leadership? I don't want them in my business. Like, well, that's kind of part of policy. I'm like, well, then screw this. I'm not going to sign this paperwork. I don't want to bring my whole lead because that's going to be in my records and stuff. And I don't want that in my records. And then also brings me to when I uh, went, when I actually finally seeked help for uh, for suicide and stuff. I went to be able to help and stuff. That actually, like, it helps but at the same time, it hurts because it discourages you from getting help. Not so much. Not so much as that. Yeah. It's always in my record, and this, and this is when I realized how much it bit me in the ass that I did this. Is that when I try to go to sniper school, mm-hmm. you have to do a mental eval, and they go through your entire record. I mean, they go through your record, and they start bringing up my suicide attempt, mm-hmm. and I just kept wanting to talk about it. I'm like. Why are you talking to me about this? Like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, dude, it happened. And now it's on my print record. And I got, I didn't get selected to go to sniper school because of it. And it fucking pissed me off. It's like, well, why the fuck did I even go to you guys for help? And now, because every time I have to, like, especially recently, mm-hmm. I have to go talk to the provider. And he was looking for my record. And he started talking about suicide. I'm like, will you shut the fuck up? So you mm-hmm. seeked out support and, you know, the, the, the CO and the Army were involved. And now... You are better, but you keep are being forced to relive this dark part of your life. Exactly. It's like a permanent yeah. red flag. Exactly. It's like, dude, like, I'm actually, it's not so much, I'm so much mad that they're talking about it. I'm more mad that, like, I allowed myself to get to that point. 
But again, that's not uncommon. I uh, know. But to me, personally, I was more mad at myself that I, I let myself get to there. Yeah. This has got to be the most serious okay. thing we've ever done. that I have to go sit with the VA, I have to go sit with the provider or something, and they look through my record, they keep bringing that up. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. I don't want to fucking talk about that. But, okay, those kind of thoughts, even in civilian life, are super common, you know? Like, people, you know, people are often super duper uber depressed all the time. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, deli well, I mean, it's really common amongst Amazon employees. I, I almost went there. But, uh, but yeah, even, even, you know, like office workers like yourself, Boy Wonder, it's, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be a permanent red flag for everyone. Everyone goes through those bouts, those little, those little, t you know, dips, little periods in time where it's like, what the fuck am I even doing, man? This is all borderline pointless. And of course, a long, a long enough timeline, yeah, sure. But again, everyone has that. And it shouldn't be a, a red mark on you forever. And nobody wants to be constantly reminded or, you know, excluded from things because of, uh, you know, these temporary uh, little irrelevant dips that we all have. And especially amongst the, the people in the armed forces. Again, super common, all this stuff we're talking about. Happens to almost all of them at some point. It shouldn't be exclusionary. There's, there's not a single person in the armed forces that I've ever spoken to that hasn't been at that point. Like, it, it's it's something that, um, you know, we really, in this country, just, like, we suck at it. I mean, not just, like, the physical health of, like, funding the VA, but, like, the mental health and stability of, you know, combat veterans going into civilian life. I mean, Baron, like, you know, thank you, you know, for putting that out there. Um, you know, whether... It was an easy thing to say or a difficult thing to say. I mean, I can, you know, sympathize and empathize with you a lot. Like I've, yeah, Mike, you're right. You know, even as just a just a mundane, bullshit office worker, like I've had those thoughts. Like I've been very close to that stuff. Um, you know, so um, no, thank you for putting that out there, Baron. But okay, you know what? Uh, okay, as uh, you know, I, I've had all kinds of real world kind of different life experiences that literally belong to many different weird different lives and they don't even you know they're, they're almost unreconcilable but i don't have a hard time talking about this kind of stuff do you it depends on the thing like i, I just don't like talk about that suicide because like looking back it's like why did i even do that like but then again i don't have any filters or limiters most human beings do yeah um Okay, okay, well, yeah, let's um, I, I guess we can uh, yeah. move on uh, to a different topic then because, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a rough one. It's a rough one. So uh, more funding for, for the VA and for veterans. Uh, whether you support the cause, you got to support the people. That's what it comes down to. There, there are a lot of uh, really good veterans, uh, things that you can donate to, like Flags of Our Fathers. Or, uh, oh, okay, hold on. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll... I'll, I'll as a matter of fact, hold on. Let me take two seconds and go see which ones the Duke donates to. He donates to quite a few. Hold on. All right, all right, cool. We'll talk about that in a few seconds. Flags of Our Fathers was a movie, not the thing I'm thinking of. It's something else. <laughs> <laughs> Donate to a movie. Okay, listeners, I think it's just uh, you and I. Whew. Got dark there for a second. You know, not everything is uh, jokes and yucks here at the Dead Men on Podcast. Yeah, I think we've all been there, and I think, you know, focusing on 
our own mental health and the mental health of those around us is very important. It's gotten better in years. You know, the stigma of what it means to speak to a therapist and we need to continue to defeat that stigma. You know, there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help and talking to people. So do a check-in on the people you know, the people you love, and if you need help, um, reach out. You're never alone. All right. Uh, anyway, the Veterans Association that the Duke donates to is called Tunnels to Towers. And I can't remember the name of the one that uh, that Dan always plugs. Uh, Folds of the Flag or something like that. Uh, shit, I should probably just look it up. That's why we have the Google and the interwebs. You kids with your interweb. Actually, my favorite times in the interweb is being an instructor. Fucking love being an We're going to get into it in a second. You can talk now while I'm doing this. Go ahead. I'll, just, I'll come back in. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, yeah, Baron, uh, what did you love most about being a instructor? So, actually, what happened was the day I became a jump master was actually one of the scariest jumps I ever had. Yeah? How so? I mean, yeah, at this point, you probably had to have done dozens of them. No, actually, you only need to do 15 jumps. Uh, have, within those 15 jumps, have a certain amount of uh, mass exits, uh, nighttime jumps, combat jumps, Hollywood jumps. The difference between a combat and a Hollywood jump is, is when you have uh, no equipment on you. But you don't have a rucksack on you. So basically, your what you describe as a Hollywood jump is more of what we would typically describe as just, uh, describe as just uh, skydiving. No. 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 There's a huge difference between skydiving and it. So skydiving is you're so many freaking thousands of feet up it, in the it sky. Is, it is an altitude. There's a diff- It's an altitude. It's an altitude difference. thing. That okay. and how your chute's deployed. Huh. So, the skydiving, you pull your own chute. Oh, are, are we referring to how it's still kind of tied to the... Yeah, so okay. when a static line jump is, when I'm hooking the line, the, the uh, static line to that cable that goes across, as I'm jumping, my chute is deploying. That's the big difference. That and height. Plus, I don't really have a lot of control on how that thing comes down. There is a certain type of methods with it, too. It'll tell you slip left, slip right. But I'm telling you right now, you're not turning that much. It's not like how you're skydiving. You're pulling toggles and stuff. You're flying all over the place. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why you do it, so you can avoid people from running into each other. Okay, so basically, you're... Are you saying you're less limited as to yes. what... Okay, okay. You right. don't want freaking dumb Joe up there right, trying to yeah, control his yeah. damn shoe because we're going to be running into each other. If it's just me falling backwards out of a plane like a jackass, as I do... It's a little different. Yeah, but a bunch of guys, that's something else. So when you do jump masters, what you do is um, you have to learn how to not only just uh, how to do it on the shoot, you have to do what's called jump master inspection. So you're like literally going through inspecting jumpers' equipment, like everything, how they put it on, how they rig up their rucks, how they put their stack lines on, how they put back, they put their weapons in, which I can't remember the name of it right now. So you're going through all that. I went through jump master school actually like three times because the biggest nutrition rate is people failing... Uh, JMPI, which is a primary jump master. Or, yeah, primary jump masters. Fuck, I can't remember right now. It's been so long, many years. But anyway, so once <laughs> you, you get pass jump all out that, of planes a lot, it messes with your memory. So when, you, <laughs> so when you pass all that, you know, you have to, when you're on the flight, you know, you have to give your hand and arm signals to signaling your jumpers of what to do. So a lot of times what we'll do is when we're in flight, we have to know where, where the one minute marker is, where the 30 second marker is. We're giving our hand and arm signals. You can't hear a lot. So you're giving hand and arm signals to your jumpers so they know what's going on. So it would be like 20 minutes and like 10 minutes. The outside person will stand up, inside person will stand up, hook up, 
check equipment. Last few jumpers check each other's tag line. Just processes. Yeah, like a to just Z. all processes. Yeah. And I remember I was the second to the last jumper to get out the bird. So I keep looking out the window. So I knew or knew where the first, where the one minute marker is, where the 30 second marker is. So I go through all my hand arm signals flawlessly. I have Jump Master there. He's waiting. For, he, I hand off in my stack line. I wait for the green light. Now, to go back when I told you about the T10 and T11 parachute, another big difference is the T10s, they have like a, a tethered cord. So when you jump, that cord breaks. On the T11, they have a curve pin. So the, the, it makes it even easier for the parachute to pop. So while I was doing that, I got the green light and I'm like face the door. See sky, ground, get ready. I'm ready to launch myself out of the plane, and I feel my parachute fall off my back. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I felt my parachute, Test, guys. <laughs> I felt my parachute come off my back, hit me in the ass. You're checking everyone. No one's checking you. Uh, <laughs> so a big problem is because if you like move around a lot. And the way the seats are, they have netting there. So if you move around a lot, that, that curb pin is easily can come off. Oh, shit. Okay, I got, yeah, I literally just got the visual. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like I said, I am literally standing at the door, and I froze. One of the big no-nos is you is being a jump refusal. Because what you're doing, if you're being a jump refusal, you're holding everybody else in the back up. Yeah. That's a mm. big problem. So, so oh, I'm yeah, getting but that. I'm you getting don't have a shoot. No excuses. Out of the place. Now <laughs> my shoot just came a major <laughs> malfunction because one of the biggest fears is being called a toad jumper, which thankfully I've never been. But a toad jumper is what it is. Like, you're jumping, you're stuck to the plane, and you're being towed in the sky with the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a thing. That oh is a thing. God. Look it up. There's actually... Yeah, Barry does it on purpose when he wants to reenact scenes from Mission Impossible. <laughs> so what happened was, I, I froze at the door, and I'm screaming to the top of my lungs with my thumb pointing to my back, screaming, back track, back track, because that's what it's called on your back. And there's two jump matches that literally tackle me out of the door. <laughs> they they stopped me from jumping, which is good. But... <laughs> He'd have gone anyway. That's the loyalty. That's that's the job. So I'm the only one who didn't jump that day. So I'm like, oh man, dude, am I gonna be a? No, you're a pansy, man. You should have. Been <laughs> so what happens? So I get back down to the ground and stuff. You know, I, everybody's getting handed their diplomas and stuff for passing. And they get to me, and it's like, well, according to here, um, actually, technically, you're somewhat of a jump refusal, but you called a major <laughs> malfunction. Did you see your parachute? So congratulations, Jumpmaster. <laughs> I'm like, yes! <gasps> I mean... <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No, no, it's even funnier, like, called by platoon sergeant. Because <laughs> he, uh, he's waiting for to find out, okay. make sure that, uh... Because in an airborne unit, like, they they need Jumpmasters. Like, they want you to be a Jumpmaster. Yeah, I'm sure they also want you to not jump out of the plane without a shoot. <laughs> that is, uh, uh, just based on what we've heard, that is up for debate. Okay, well, let's not make decisions for I these people. Them, I called them up. <laughs> And I was like, I called him, I was like, okay, so, technically I was some of a jump refusal. And I can hear my other end, like, ready to chew my ass out. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute, let me explain. <laughs> so I explained to him what happened, he's like, so you're a jump master now, right? He's like, yes. I'm like, all right, good, see you tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, that oh is like, God. good, get ready to start uh, pulling jump master duties. <laughs> that is a fantastic story. <laughs> I think that is a, a solid story to end things on.
because that is horrifying yet somewhat somehow also hilarious as well. I, I have one final question. You know, knowing what you know now, Baron, would you do it all again? Would I do it all over again? Absolutely. I wouldn't battle a little differently, but yeah, absolutely, I would do it all over again. 